Hi there, and welcome to another edition of Cinescape Magazine Podcast. Uh, what do you got, Joe? It's been, uh, for some weird reason, it's been tough to find something I wanted to talk about on the show lately. I, I don't know why. I mean, there's so many things to watch, but yet it just seems like there's slim pickings. Yeah, it just seems like there's nothing really worth checking out. I'm stuck in like an 80s nostalgia mood lately. Like the other day, I couldn't think of anything to watch. So I just, I, I, I even though I own it on Blu-ray, I decided just to throw on Raiders of the Lost Ark while I was doing something. Cause you know, that's like always a, that's a, that's a perfect go-to at any time. I mean, you don't even need to watch it. You can just hear the dialogue and the, and the perfect musical score of, of John Williams with, I mean, the guy, I mean, God, how many ad nauseum, right? But it, it's, there's a reason for it. That guy adds so much tension to scenes perfectly at the right moments. I mean, I, look, I don't know what your opinion is on it, but I guarantee you the original Star Wars, if it didn't have John Williams score and it had something cheesy, like, I don't know, say Battle Beyond the Stars or Spaceballs the movie, which is intentionally cheesy. If it had that, Star Wars would not be, I don't. I, I can almost guarantee the Star Wars would not be as big as it was because all these things had to fall into place perfectly to make it as great as it was. And John Williams score is near the top of that, of that list on that movie. So regardless though, I, 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 am just struggling lately. I, I'm really into nostalgia lately, but I threw it aside. Cause I'm like, I got to see something new. And I didn't, I've been putting off watching project power with, uh, with Joseph Gordon Levitt and Jamie Foxx, because I don't know. It just, there's so many superhero things out there. It's like, I don't even care about any other ideas about superheroes anymore. I just want to see Marvel and <laughs> hopefully with improvement DC stuff. Okay. And some obscure comic book things like, I don't know, more judge dread or spawn coming back or something. But when it comes to just these are quote unquote original ideas with, with, with superheroes and people with superpowers, for the most part, I don't really give a shit unless, you know, boy, season two comes out. Then that, that I'm definitely on board for that because the first season was really good at that show. But anyway, I totally forgot about this comedy that's been recommended for a while now that's on Hulu. And it's a Hulu original film, but it's, you know, decently budgeted and it's got some well-known actors in there. So here we go. When carefree Niles and reluctant maid of honor Sarah have a chance encounter at a Palm Springs wedding, things get complicated as they are unable to escape the venue themselves or each other. So, Palm Springs. It's been out for a few months now on Hulu. Stars Andy Samberg, Kristen Milioti. I guess that's how you pronounce her name. And J.K. Simmons as well is in a little bit of the movie here and there. I think he's maybe got about this hour and a half movie. He's got about 15 to 20 minutes maybe of total screen time, if that. Okay. But here's the bottom line with this movie. This is definitely Groundhog Day just done in a little bit different way. And I'm fine with it, even though Russian Doll just came out on Netflix like a year ago, and it's already taken that premise and done that. But I, I'm okay, because what this movie does is it acknowledges Groundhog Day in certain ways, where like one of the things that happens with um, Andy Samberg's character is when Christine Miliotti's character gets pulled into it with him, and now she's stuck in this time loop, she says, well, I'm going to do something decent, you know, something extremely selfless. And then uh, hopefully that'll get me out on my, on merit alone. Right. And so Andy's like, go ahead and try. 
and she tries and it completely fails. So I like that, that they, you know, they even tried all these different things that were similar to Groundhog Day and it, it all fails for them. And what, what's great about the movie is, is that it's funny. It is, it is very, very funny. And it's almost consistently funny throughout near the end. It gets a little serious, but it keeps the humorous tone even when it's all said and done. So that's the best part about this movie is that it doesn't take itself too seriously for the most part. It likes to have fun with these characters, but I have to give this little caveat with it. It's just like when you watch Seth Rogen or certain other, you know, comedians in movies, if you like them, you'll probably like the movie. If you don't like that actor, you're probably not going to, I don't think you get into it. So if you don't like Andy Samberg, there's nothing that he brings to the table that's any different than he's done with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Lonely Island, or any of his SNL characters, Hot Rod, or any of that stuff. Either you like Andy Samberg or you don't. I like him. I know what I'm getting with him. And as long as he doesn't go too overboard with the screaming or the stupidity, then I'm, all, I'm on board with what he's got. What's great is he keeps his cool through the whole movie. He doesn't go overboard stupid with anything he does because he's this character who they never say how long he's been in this time loop. But in the trivia that I read about it, the director states that he's been stuck in this time loop for about 40 years. <laughs> so they're at a wedding in Palm Springs. And so he's living this day with this wedding over and over again. And he's with his girlfriend who he's ready to break up with but he wakes up every morning with her there and she is the maid of honor at the wedding or she's one of the main, one of the, the flower girls or whatever you call them at the, at the wedding. Right. And so that he just, he has experienced everything he can in this place with all these people. He's boned every single person, every, per, every female one way or another at this wedding and even a couple dudes. Cause he's like, fuck it. I might as well try. <laughs> so it, it's hilarious. And, and then all of a sudden, what happens is one night he meets, you know, he he's hanging out with Miliati's character and she follows him to this weird cave. And this cave has the time loop in it. And it, it's, there's weird magical shit. I don't want to give too much away because you just got to watch it and just see how stupid it is, but it's funny. And J then JK Simmons character comes in because he's someone who's also stuck in the time loop, but he lives really far away. So every time he wakes up the next day with the same day over again, He's like whatever the distance is between Irvine and Palm Springs. So a lot of times he doesn't even want to drive all the way back to Palm Springs when he has to start the day over to get revenge on Andy Samberg's character. Cause that's what he, he fucking hates him for getting him stuck in this loop, this time loop. And so every once in a while, Simmons will come out of nowhere and just try to kill fucking Andy Samberg. And it's fucking hilarious. Cause everything that JK Simmons does is gold. I don't think there's any negatives I can, I can find with this movie. None. The movie isn't too long. It gets, like I said, it gets a little serious, but it doesn't do it for too much. It's hilarious for the most part. I think the only thing I could think of that might be somewhat negative is there's some visual effects scenes, like where there's an earthquake and the ground's cracking and stuff, and there's like camera shaking, but yet nothing's moving while the camera's shaking, and it, it's bullshit. But the movie's made on a $5 million budget, so you get what you get. Whatever. Overall, I was entertained. I loved it. And I don't know if it's going to have much replay value, but at least one time, you at least one time you got to check out Palm Springs because it's hilarious with like Miliati's character. When she first gets pulled into the loop, she just is constantly 
WTF and everything, man. She's it's just like, what the F is this? What the F is that? And 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 just the comedic timing with it is great. And she ends up taking the movie away from Andy Samberg because his character he stays consistent throughout. Her character seems to mature throughout the film because she's just like this, this uh drunk sleep with anybody kind of, you know, she's the sister of the bride. And her life is going nowhere. Kind of like, I would assume like Steve Buscemi's character from The Wedding Singer. And so like the black sheep of the family kind of thing. So throughout the movie, she starts to mature. And there's a clever way that they find out on how to get out of this time loop and stuff. And it's cool. It's, you know what? I recommend Palm Springs. It's good. Nice. I'm a fan of the show called Holly Randall. Yeah, Holly Randall unfiltered. Holly Randall is the daughter of super photographer for porn, Susie Randall or Suze Randall. And if you've ever seen any Playboy or Hustler or Penthouse or anything between the 80s and early 2000s, you know who Suze Randall is. She's an amazing photographer. She really is, regardless of the medium that she works in. Her daughter got into the business just like Suze, uh, became a, an assistant to her mother, started f- doing photographs, directs porn. She's not a porn star. She's a director. Okay. And I, as I was, um, I was going through, there's, there's a bunch of really good shows that she's done. Actually, all of them are really good. It just depends. If you're a fan of porn or whatever, it doesn't matter. She's a good interviewer, but she interviews porn stars. As, I'm wa- as, I, as I was watching this, somebody... Somebody brought up the whole uh, the HIV incident stuff that was going on in the 90s, which is it was really big news in the 90s. Yeah, you were having to get tested like after every movie, huh? Right? Yeah. It, uh, essentially, that's, yeah, you would have to get tested on a regular basis. Everybody, when AIDS came out, everybody thought the porn industry was over. Not true. They just went about it in a different way. There was a documentary that was done two years ago. It's called Porndemic. I hate the name, but I've always, I've wanted to watch it since it came out. It was on Showtime, and it details what was going on. It sort of details what was going on during the 90s in the porn scene and everything that had happened to some specific performers, because uh, I don't want to give it away too much yet, to some specific performers that were regulars, regular performers in the industry. Now, this documentary has Ron Jeremy. It has a... It has Ginger Lynn in it. It has a, a girl named Trisha Devereaux, uh, who was a blip on the radar in the porn scene. It has Tom Byron. It does archival footage of all these celebrities that are at the porn awards or taking pictures with Ron Jeremy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's really funny. And then it has this guy. His name is Tom Byron. Tom Byron was he, – he, he started off in the 80s. He was a superstar. He was a porn superstar. Him, Peter North, and a couple of others. And, you know, Ron Jeremy as well. Oh, I'm sorry. It also has a a guy named Herschel Savage in it who is still working in the industry. And it tells, it it sort of tells this story because it's really not well done in terms of a documentary. It's one of those, it's one of those fly-by-night documentaries that you watch it and you're like, you know, there was really nothing to it. Uh, It's all, it's all surface. It's all insubstantial. It's just, most of it is as I read a review on IMDb, essentially garbage. And it could have been told in 15 or 20 minutes, but they stretched it out. And what they could have done is they could have had 
each person tell their side of the story and then, you know, and then wrap it up with this is what happened. But they didn't do that. Or at least the director, uh, his name is Brendan Spooky Daly. I've never heard of him, but whatever. So what had happened is this. During the 90s, there was, they started testing for HIV and the, the test that they did only tested the blood. It didn't test for, it didn't actually go in and test the genetics of checking for people. And it took, it could, t- could take anywhere between three months and six months for it to appear. So they get their test, they're clear, and then six months later they could get it. You never know. So at one point, this girl's name is Trisha Devereaux, and she's essentially patient zero. She gets diagnosed with HIV. And she doesn't know where she got it. Everybody starts spreading rumors. She's a prostitute. She's an escort. She did drugs. She did this. She did that. And that wasn't her lifestyle at all. I mean, she did. They all did drugs. Don't. There's no lie about that. But she didn't do needles, as she says. She she was she she wasn't a prostitute. She got it during a scene, and they pinpointed the scene where she got it, and she was drummed out of the industry. Now, there's another performer. Her name is Sharon Mitchell. Sharon Mitchell was in the industry. She's still, I'm sorry, she's still in the industry. She was a performer. Then she went to school. She got a doctorate. And now she is the uh, head of what's called, or was at least, the head of AIM, which is the Adult Industry uh, Medical Foundation. And they do all the testing now, or they did all the testing for the performers. And they've gone through a range of... So essentially, they're providing medical services for uh, the adult industry performers. And she, I remember this clearly. I remember when she started the foundation, I remember she was saying, we need this for the performers because SAG won't intervene. They won't get involved. It's, it's, a, it's a dirty industry secret that porn is around and everybody loves it, but won't do anything to help the performers in terms of, you know, residuals or this or that or the other thing. They're not real actors. So she started the, the, the medical foundation to help the, 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 them get insurance and, and get proper medical attention and this and that and the other thing. As this is going on, another person is infected and then four more are infected. So six people in, in a range of months have been infected. And they don't know what the fuck is going on. And this is unprecedented because all of a sudden, from when AIDS was introduced till now, there's been very few, if any, John Holmes, maybe one other in the 12 years or plus that AIDS has been around, at least in a formal sense. And now six performers within months have been infected by HIV. So now there's, there's widespread panic. Who has it? Who is it? So they start going back through all the records and they had to go back through some like between 400 and 600 records. And Trisha Devereaux kept a record of every scene that she was in. Now, this is really weird. This is not unusual for performers to keep a list so that they know when they're getting paid. The bad performers, the ones that are in the industry for a minute... No, but the ones that are there for that are there seriously for, you know, they're doing this for for their job. A lot of them are super hardworking and they are essentially they're in business for themselves. So you have to keep records. 
And that that includes money. That includes everybody that you've been with. And it's just a way to track anything that's going on so you know that you get paid. I mean, there's seriously been times where, like Holly Randall even talks about this, where she's gone through her books. And when she's writing down, like, I paid this performer this amount of money, but it hasn't gone through, but it's already written off on my books. So therefore, you know, the money's been spent. She calls up the performer and says, you have a check that you have not cashed. Cash that fucking check. She's like, oh, and then the performer will be like, oh, I've, you know, I lost it or this or that, the other thing. I'm like, we're talking like two grand or four grand or more than that. And she's like, can you just cut another check? And yeah, they'll just cut another check in some cases. And it, this is normal, by the way, in Hollywood. Uh, like if you're a regular actor, yeah, royalty like, checks, yeah. Like you forget to cash checks. So oh, yeah. Michael Richards from UHF. So that's why they they do audits. So auditing happens all the time, and in porn, it's a bigger deal because the government will fucking go after porn stars more than they'll go after adult stars. So going back to this whole thing, most of the stars, most most of the female performers are actually pretty good at keeping records. Trisha Devereaux is one of those. She's patient zero. There are others that have been infected, and it comes back that there's an actor that they've all worked with. They know the exact scene. They know when it happened, and they go to him and say, so before, well, his name is Mark Wallace. Mark Wallace is a very popular performer. He's got like a banana dick, <laughs> and everybody loved him. He was a cool guy. Super nice, you know, chill, but lazy as fuck. And a coke head. He would smoke the rock. He would inject it. He would do this. He's, a, he's an absolute tool and a liar. So Sharon Mitchell was dating him. And so she had, an, she had an intimate relationship with Mark Wallace prior to this. And everybody's been tested. Ron Jeremy, this Herschel Savage guy, Tom Byron, everybody's just like, hey, you know, I need you to come in. I need you to get tested. They have a new test that can tell within 14 days, give or take, um, maybe a little bit longer. But within 14 days, if you are infected with HIV. It's not bad because it used <laughs> to be like six months. Right. So they keep they ask him, hey, I need you to come in. I need you to get tested. And, and they cut to him. And he's like, yeah, they kept asking me, but I was just too busy. I was too busy. I was editing and working on movies and this and that and the other thing. And... And I just couldn't break away to uh, to take this test. And it cut. so Tom Byron, who is he was roommates with Mark Wallace. He was best friends with Mark Wallace. He was just like, dude, go do the test. He's like, I just I can't. I'm, I've got too much going on. And he kept pushing the test off, pushing the test off, pushing the test off. Finally, he comes in. He has his paperwork, gives him their test. And there's a problem with the paperwork. Problem with the paperwork is well, he passed the test. It's not HIV positive, but. It's under a female name, fake name, fake. Well, they, well it's not a fake name. They know who the female is because they tracked her down. But he has paperwork from a female with all of his tests on it. And then the guy that runs the, the whole facility comes up with this fucking phenomenal excuse of, well, oh, I'm sorry. The testing center was also closed. So he had been carrying around a piece of paper from a testing center that was closed. And the guy that helped run the testing center said, well, we had closed that facility down and we had moved all the paperwork and everything else, which happens. And, and then the paperwork does get shuffled and mistakes get made, but it had the address and they're like, why did it have the address of a, of a facility that had been shut down six months prior? 
He's like, well, that's what happens. Well, then why did it have a female's name on it? Well, this is exactly what happened because the person that actually did this put in the wrong information. Okay, so why was he walking around with paperwork that's six months old with fake information on it, and then he gives it to the person instead of giving it to them when he took the test? Charlie Sheen, man. Exactly. So that's one side of the argument. The other one was this. They're going through the whole thing, and they figured out, and Mark won't do the test. It takes like six months plus to do the test. And finally, they called this guy who um, Mark is working for. His name is Patrick Collins, I believe. Is he still making films while he's denying the test? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he said he's never been, he hadn't, he hadn't had you know, sex on film in six months and this and that. Why do I need a test? Which is a lie. That's one, that's lie number one so far. And Sharon has had enough. She essentially calls his boss. The guy that runs this, the video company that Mark Wallace is editing this film for. And she tells him, tell Mark, I need the test. I don't care what you have to do. I need that fucking test. And Patrick Collins says, hey, man, this is the story. I got a bonus for you, blah, blah, blah. You're doing such a great job. I got 10 grand I'm going to give you. And just meet me here. Meet me at this restaurant or whatever the fuck it is. And... They kidnap him. That's what they said. <laughs> She's like, we literally had a van right there, opened the door, grabbed him, pulled him in and fucking kidnapped him, drove him off and took the fucking blood from him, dropped him off at his home. This is a guy that denies everything. Ah, that never happened. That never happened. But would go on days or week long fucking coke binges. He would disappear off the face of the planet for days or weeks on end and then come back completely fucking wrecked out of his skull. Mm -hmm. And Byron would be like, what is going on with you? Like they lived together for years. Wallace kept denying and kept denying all this stuff. But my favorite part of the story, favorite part of the story was when he talks about the test and how he never took a false test. He never, he never falsified anything, right? So he's telling us, like, I've never faked anything and the tests are real and this and that. And then and then it cuts away to the piece of paper and white out being put on the paper and then the date being changed. <laughs> and he goes, well, I did change the date on the paper. So you falsified it. So he gave so, a half a lie. So so you lied. Half truth. Yeah. You, you lied again. And then and then he comes up with an, another scenario where he says that he he altered the paperwork a second time not not just for the date but for something else uh like you know female male something i don't know what it was there was something else on the paperwork that he had falsified so he he's lied he's lied multiple times to the guy that's doing the documentary and he's lied to everybody that's involved tom byron who was best friends with this guy had to shut him out of his life because he couldn't deal anymore with the lies and the drugs and this and that. When you're in porn and every porn star, even Herschel Savage, even Ron Jeremy says this. So everybody has said this. When you're in porn, you have to eat right. You have to exercise. You got to look good on camera. And even if you don't look good on camera, you still have to eat right. You have to exercise and don't fucking come to work drunk or do drugs. That's it. That's that's your job. Your job is to get a boner. And if you get anything you know, for guys and anything that will kill the boner, anything that kills the scene, anything that causes problems, you can't do. 
some girls have have done, you know, just shown up completely fucking whacked out of their skulls. But for the most part, that's I mean, these guys are goddamn serious about their work when they're talking about, you know, doing porn and all, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll. That's what porn is. Right. But when you're listening to these guys, especially the the top performers and stuff like that, they mm-hmm. all have the same story, which is. I'll do the drugs, but I'll do them when I'm not at work. Yeah. You know, offset. I'll do them. I'll drink when I'm not at work or offset. I'll, you know, we'll party. We'll have a good time. But when I'm there to work, I'm working. I I remember watching a John Holmes porn once and he had coke dick big time. He couldn't even finish. He even, you had this little tube. He tried to hide to make it look like he was finishing. And it was just so obvious. The guy couldn't even get it up. It was pathetic. Are you sure you're not not mixing that up with uh, Boogie Nights? No, no, I watched it. It was vintage stuff on the on one of the websites, and it was it was ugh, too much body hair. <laughs> and he was an ugly son of a bitch too. When you're in the industry, they're always like that. They're they're they focus on the the job at hand, and when when you can't do that, you are replaced almost immediately. They will call in another person that's ready and willing to go. And they always have somebody on speed dial, the stunt dicks or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> yeah. And when you get start getting a bad reputation, male or female, when you start getting a bad reputation, that's when you start getting cut out. Mark Wallace didn't have a bad reputation, but he started he started doing other jobs in the industry, so he wasn't working as much, so he says. That's lie number four. And he kept pushing off and pushing off and pushing off. And then he finally did his test, come back HIV positive. So when he comes back HIV positive, he's in complete denial. It's not mine. And then they did another test on him yeah. and he came back negative. So what's the truth? He was in so much denial, he made it come back negative. I know. <laughs> so what? again, like I asked, what's the truth? Well, he is HIV positive. He infected six girls. So the test that he took that showed him as negative was doctored mm-hmm. by somebody else. It's amazing that it didn't spread to more people. Yeah, and that's what they that's what they were saying is that how is it possible that he only infected just six? And he's not the only one. There was more people that were infected when they were infected by other actors. Yeah, well, I've heard that you don't it's not a hundred percent guaranteed that you're gonna spread it to every person you have sex with. There's there's a there's a strong chance, but there's it's not 100 percent. Yeah. I mean, if you were using condoms and stuff like that, and a lot of them use condoms at the time, especially mm-hmm. during this outbreak, like there's a specific scene where Peter North and Mark Wallace and this other girl, her name is Barbara Dahl. She's a European porn star mm-hmm. and they're all in the same scene. Barbara Dahl had HIV. Mark Wallace had HIV, but Peter North doesn't. Mm-hmm. So what the hell, you know? And there is there there's always like especially if you're in a threesome, there's always the strong possibility that you're going to get splash over, right? And, and or whatever they want to call it, right? Uh, it's going to rain on you. So things are very fluid. Yes. So when when that's going on, unless they're taking extra precautions and stuff like that, like immediately toweling off or or whatever with. Uh, with like alcohol, anything that'll kill the the virus when that's going on. Yeah. I mean, if, if take it from Ron Jeremy, Ron Jeremy, who had been, who's still in the industry, he said, this is a paraphrase. I've been in the industry for this, for such a long time. And I've seen, I've seen it all. I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't do drugs. I don't, I don't engage in this and that and the other thing. 
I don't do gay porn. I don't do this and I don't do that. Doesn't rape anybody. Didn't say that. When I can do this many scenes, when I know uh, how many people I've been with and what I've done, and I don't have it, if I don't have it, something's wrong. That's essentially what he said. Like, I, I've, I've done everything. I don't have it. So when I don't have it and other people are getting it, then we have a real fucking problem. And it turns out that Mark Wallace was, he made a lot of goddamn money. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a um, talent guy. His name is Jim South. Everybody loves Jim. And when he was talking about it, he's like, I don't understand what the hell was going on. All I know is that Mark was blowing through tons and tons and tons of tons of money. And I find out that he's, he's, a, he's being a gay escort. He's doing gay films. And then they showed him in a gay film. He's like, no, nah, man, I never... They cut to fucking Mark Wallace. And he's like, no, nah, man, I never did a gay film. And then they showed it again of him taking it in the ass. <laughs> like, literally, like, I mean, they didn't show the, the actual... The sex scene, they just showed his face, like, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, and that. And, like, he's not the only one that's done gay porn. Peter John, North. John Holmes. John Holmes. This and that and the other thing. They'll do that because gay gay porn performers get more money. Yeah, get a lot more. So he was doing that. He was doing escorts. He was probably dealing drugs. He was obviously shooting. Uh, he was smoking the rock. On top of everything else that he was doing, which is working in straight porn, and he's denying all of it, all of the factual evidence that has been presented. I thought you said he was a cool dude. I did. Everybody loved him. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't say he was not a liar. I just, you know, everybody loved him. Everybody loved working with him until until drugs got a hold of him. And then he started fucking, he, he started hammering through all of his money because Jim kept him busy. Jim's like, just go out and just work. You know, when you're getting paid like $1,000 a scene and you're doing 28 scenes a month, which is on, which is on average for a top performer star, yeah. that's 28 grand a month. Do the math. It's good money. So when you're making a quarter of a million dollars a year and you live a party lifestyle and then you get involved with bad people, you start doing what they start doing and then now you're out of money and now you're desperate and you're still working and making all this money. It's just like you're just blowing through it all. So when, like I said, when he's presented with all these facts, no, I never did this, but this, I never did gay porn. Boom big picture of him on a gay in a gay porn i never did this and i never escorted jim south well found out that he was escorting one night because because three people that worked in the industry walked right up to him and said mark what the fuck are you doing he's like oh i'm out with some friends and then he disappears with those friends and comes back and he has like now he has like an extra 10 grand in cash well how'd you get that money oh well you know this is what's good about this documentary what's not good about this documentary is that it took 90 minutes to uh, get to the point of the film when they could have started off with Sharon Mitchell telling the story and building up in between all that stuff with the Mark Wallace stuff happening at the same time instead of holding out until the very end. Well, not the very end, but holding out till like 45 or 50 minutes into it when they finally introduced the whole Mark Wallace storyline to it. Doesn't make any sense. It's not a strong documentary. Okay. I can't recommend this movie because it's too long. 
just like this fucking podcast, just like this review, I should say. I can recommend the highlights. Like if you want to, I'm pretty sure the highlights are there about Mark Wallace talking about it. If you if, if you really want to, you have to delve kind of deep into this with all the other shows that are out there. Like, hell, there's a there's a show with um, TT Boy and uh, he does a podcast as well. He was a male performer. He gets he gets he gets the good stars. Like Peter North and Christy Canyon. I'm not that Chris Canyon hasn't done the Holly Randall one, but he gets the ones that Holly Randall hasn't interviewed. So I wasn't going to talk about another film, but you bringing up the footage of him being in gay porn reminded me of a documentary I watched. And I'll get to the point. Joe's gay porn. I every once in a while, I want to watch something about cults and <laughs> there is a cult movie. Hold on. Okay. Me talking about gay porn got you into thinking about a cult movie. Yes, because there's something specifically connected to gay that. porn. Okay. Yes. There is a 2016 documentary that is on Netflix. I highly recommend it. You can use your own reservations about these people that, that are in it. It's called Holy Hell. And it's about a guy named Will Allen. It's directed, produced, uh, shot, Written edited. By. Everything. So it's all from his perspective about being in this cult with this guy named Michel. And he's very like a, like a guru pitka kind of guy. And just very, uh, you know, separating himself from society, uh, talking about abstinence and all this stuff like that and, and redirecting your sexual energy into yourself and, and you know, like kind of like tantric sex but without having sex kind of thing. And... So the way that he builds up this documentary, because he was with this cult for 22 years and he filmed a lot of stuff with them because he's got his own footage. But also he was hired by this guy named Michelle to follow him around and record everything. Well, when this guy, Will Allen, got out of the cult, a lot of the footage didn't come with him. So there's a lot of things we don't get to see. But the things that we do get to see are fascinating because... As the documentary goes along, I start to feel less and less sorry for Will Allen and the other people in the cult, because when you watch the footage, you see that this Michelle guy is a liar. He's a hypocrite. And these people are just they're They're so they want to be part of a community so bad that they're willing to overlook all these things. And Michelle never breaks any laws. I mean, if you really think about it, because the way that Will Allen films it, he makes it to look like Michelle is a villain. And in a way... He is a villain, but he's like Quagmire. He's like the guru version of Quagmire from Giggity. Family Guy. Yeah, because he never rapes anybody, but yet he talks straight men into having sex with him for years. Okay. It's like, uh, yeah, the Tiger King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Just like, just like Joe, Joe Exotic. Right. And so he never like forced himself. He never stole anyone's money. Everyone willingly gave money to him to keep the thing going and so he's not prosecutable, the, I don't think, in any degree. The guy moved to Hawaii, and there's some footage that's disturbing watching this. Almost scary watching. But the fact that these people allow themselves to get bamboozled, it's sad, but it's also funny because it's like, how many times are you going to take it in the rear end by a guy? Literally and figuratively. Yeah. And yeah. And, and yet, and he's telling everyone to not have sex all around you, but yet he's doing it to all these different members of the congregation and all this stuff. It's fascinating. It is fascinating to watch. 
uh, you can like, I mean, it. if you have a completely different opinion about the guy and the cult than I do, I have no problem with it because I think this is definitely a perspective documentary. But I think that these people almost deserve what happened to them, almost, because they're they're just so naive. But I do feel a little bit sorry for them in a funny way because they wanted this sense of community. They wanted to feel a part of something, and they did for the most part until they all started getting taken from the rear. <laughs> so. I highly recommend Holy Hell because damn, Holy Hell. I want to uh, just walk back what I said about Porndemic real quick, oh. which is the, um, the not recommending. I it's it's not I can't recommend this as a film mm-hmm. in terms of completionist type of thing. Yeah, I can recommend this as a documentary if you're interested in what happened with Mark Wallace mm-hmm. and if you cut out like 40 or 50% of this documentary, you have a real story there with Sharon Mitchell, Mark Wallace and everybody else mm-hmm. that talk about the HIV stuff instead of all this glamorous nonsense where they're, where, where the guys like, you know, like the fifties or sixties Batman, where it's like the spinning newspaper things, you know, it's kind of like that. And then they're showing pictures and video of parties that are going on. That's not telling the story. The story, the meat of the story is Sharon Mitchell, the HIV scare, Trisha Devereaux, Mark Wallace, Tom Byron, and the uh, even even the guy that ran the, um, the the medical facility where Mark Wallace supposedly got his testing done at. And that's where that should have focused on. Mm-hmm. So I can recommend some of the movie. I can recommend that part of the movie, but as a whole, it's not. It's 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 not well done. I, I, let me add an addendum to mine as well. So this guy, Michelle, and it shows him through these 22 years of footage where he's using their money to get plastic surgery done all the time. So his face is getting worse and worse and worse. You know, you've seen the extreme people. Right. And he's also his gayness is showing more and more throughout it. Like it's he starts to start look like like Siegfried and Roy, man. Like his gayness. He's always got naked guys following him where they're only wearing bikini bottoms, you know, everywhere he goes. Yet he talks about not having sex at all. Right. And all this stuff. And and is that him right there? Yeah. And that's like when he's younger, because like he gets worse in appearance and he's kind of weird. looking. He starts making the, the guy, Alan, my, you know, the Alan guy make music videos and stuff like that. And it, it, it's kind of like the Joe Exotic thing in a way, just different. Right. And, and so but when it came to the gay porn thing, what's hilarious is they found out that the guy used to be an actor. He had one scene cameo in like a Jaws type movie. He had a one scene cameo in Rosemary's Baby. Oh, at the end, when they're all, you know, like when the whole cult is there, uh-huh. you know, he's in there. He's in the background. He stares at the camera, right? And you find out that it, all of a sudden it cuts to him in a gay porno and he's just taking it. I mean, in different different holes, man. And it's hilarious because you're like, this guy is such a fraud and these people keep falling for it. It's hilarious. It's sad, hilarious at the same time. I'm watching the trailer right now. Yeah, and the, all these video, the, there's a ton of footage of him staring into the camera. It's creepier and shit. Oh yeah, you could see the yeah. But there is one scene that I I found genuinely disturbing and horrifying was there they 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 started hiding. They they tracked him down to Hawaii, and they're hiding in bushes watching him, and he's at this another yoga place right. And these people are following him. This new congregation, they're following him like baby ducklings. 
And it's creepier and shit the way they show it because you're like, oh my God, you know, he's got another group of people, you know, and he just starts all over again, you know, screwing people over. And yeah. So yeah. And he was able to do these, these, these mind things on people. Cause you know, people, you know, you can convince yourself of anything if you keep, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, he like this guy right here, he tried to make you feel sorry for him because this guy's completely straight and it ended up like the dude was banging him for like eight years it's like i've seen this guy before mm -hmm. see look what at the see, hell? yeah oh man it's it's hilarious it, it's it <laughs> yeah the guy was obsessed with his fitness oh my god yeah it's creepy it is his creepy. face is like slowly sloughing off of his skull it's slowly getting stretched out yeah and <laughs> fake smiles and yeah that is creepy it is it is and it's like but there's no there's no like, I mean, there's victims, but there's not like other cults where people died. Like they drank the Kool-Aid kind of thing, you know, like Jonestown or something. Right. Or the Saturn people. You right. Know? Instead, I mean, it's just people that just they, they they just fell for it, man. The scene where it shows Michelle in gay porn is hilarious because it is so graphic Oh yeah, <laughs> dude, because the guy does yoga and stuff, right? So he's extremely flexible. There's a part where it shows one of his gay porns where there's a dude sitting down on the floor and there's two chairs. He's sitting between two kitchen chairs and Michelle is bouncing himself in a downward dog on these between these two chairs and 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 pounding the guy's mouth <laughs> with his junk. And it's. It's hilarious to watch. It's gross, of course, if you're not into that, but it's hilarious to see because you, you don't have sex. It's not good for you. <laughs> so his name is Will Allen, right? Yeah. The group led by Michelle Rostand. Oh, okay. So Michelle Rostand is the guy you're talking about. Yeah, and he's he was in the, he was in the gay porn. Yeah, and well, it's like seventies. It's like seventies gay porn, so it's oh. really gritty. <laughs> he was a Jamie Simone Gomez. I think that's in his original Or Jaime. Yeah. Uh, birth name. Nicknames. Andreas. Raiji. The teacher. Michelle Rostan. See, he's only been in Holy Hell and Rosemary's Baby. Leader of 80s West Hollywood brainwashing cult. The Buddha Field. The Buddha Field. God damn it. Dude. It's so... Oh, man. Let's just do this. The Ballad of the Porn Star Turned Cult Leader. Just go to videos. Dirk. A.K.A. Michelle Rostan. Here we go. Oh, a gay torrent. <laughs> of course. Uh, Is that 10 cc's right there? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're going down the rabbit hole, my friend. Here, descriptions of two of the movies called Winner's Way and Bronc Rider can be seen here. I'm not clicking on those. Don't. Uh, he's also in a third movie called Magnum Griffin 3. In the captures I posted, posted, some of the pictures come up black for some reason, but it plays fine. Uh, Michelle, who is now known as a cult leader who sexually abused the people me mesmerized by him. One of the men who was part of the cult has released a film. There we go. Uh, if you know of any other movies Dirk has been in. There it is. There's the chair picture. Oh, wait, no, that's okay. But yeah, you see what I'm saying? Though. Yeah. He's very flexible. <laughs> These are movies I've never even seen before. That's kind of weird. He must be giving that guy mouth to mouth. That's just, that's weird CPR. I think he works out. Yeah. <laughs> That's some yoga shit right there I've ever seen. And that one, I don't even get. But he's bench pressing there. That's called, I think that movie's called Prelude to Pink Eye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Huh. What a lovely family. I can't God, we can't 70s, show any of these pictures. Porn stashes, man. Oh my god. What okay. I'll have to talk about this later, but yeah, that's that stuff is just ridiculous. So all right, that's all I got. So yeah, the greatest thing about it, man, just him saying that those sex and then it cuts to that footage of him doing that, you're just like <laughs> uh, I'm done. Yeah, he's just getting his mouth pounded. <laughs> Good. Oh, uh, if you search on uh, xnxx.com, my, uh, Michelle got bread. It's pro- uh, yep, Michelle got bread, gay. So <laughs> Yeah, so if you go to xnxx, Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L, Michelle got bread, uh, and you can see uh, you can see some hot action. And the sequel, Felch Lives. <laughs> I'm out. I'm done. Good night. Felch Lives. <laughs> That's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs>